Welcome to another edition of the In The Paint Show, episode 153. I'm, we're here with my co-hosts, Chelsea Hopkins and Ani Umana, back at it again for another week. We have a really special episode. Uh, we might be with we're here a little bit longer than normal, so stick with us. We're going to obviously talk about chasing Kareem, chasing you know the scoring record of LeBron James, and, and just kind of like the intricacies of it, uh, the back end of it, like him being... Uh, mainly durable. That's a, a durability record, and we'll we'll talk a little bit of his greatness, obviously. But we have a lot of topics to hit about. Obviously, there's huge things happening in the NBA, and there's some stuff happening in the WNBA. How are you guys doing, Chelsea? How's it going? Doing great. Happy to be back with you guys. I actually was in London for the week, so that was my first time yeah. there. Um, wow. Pretty cold, but pretty fun. So you know, happy to be back in the Holy Land. Now it's a little warmer, so I'm here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, how about you, Ani? What's the latest? Oh, man, just basketball, college, high school, you know, yeah. a lot of stuff. Tired, but I'm good to go. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A little tired, a little tired. Chelsea, man, you were, you were just like Kool-Aid, so you were happy when you were in London. I know that, like, give us a little bit of background. Are you just kind of ready for the next thing a little bit, or are you just – was it just good to be out? Yeah, well, actually, uh, so each season we have what we call national team breaks. Uh, that's when you hear about the, um, you know, the Euro baskets and the national teams that are qualifying to hopefully be in the Olympics. Uh, so wow. you usually have, you know, one to two national team breaks each season. And so we're kind of in the midst of that right now. Um, Israel is actually playing, I believe, Sweden on Thursday. Um, but actually when that's happening, you know, a lot of the players in the league have to go to the national team. So we're on pause. We're not able to play league games. And when we have, you know, these two and a half weeks off, um, it's only right that we get a couple of days to ourselves. So my team actually granted me five days. Um, me and a couple of my, my friends that have never been to London before just decided to randomly kind of book a trip and, and kind of experience something that we've never gotten the chance to do. So uh, it was awesome. You know, I, I love traveling. Um, basketball has you know, blessed me to see so many places, even though I haven't played in many places. I've been everywhere because of these breaks and these opportunities to kind of just travel Europe being close by. So um, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Hit all the touristy spots, London Bridge, Buckingham Palace, uh, London Eye. Um, and I had a good time. It was cold, but I had a good time. So, <laughs> yeah, I know you like the warm weather. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about speaking of on the women's side. Obviously, look like uh, South Carolina number one team in the country. They kind of uh, beat up on UConn pretty good, but they got a big game coming up. Talk real briefly about that. Yeah, South Carolina, uh, number one team in the country. Uh, they played number five UConn, I believe, a couple of days ago. And it, it was actually a battle. Um, you know, South Carolina started the yeah. game really slow. Uh, UConn got up to a hot, hot, uh, hot start in the first quarter. But uh, second half, it was pretty much the South Carolina show. Um, they have the projected number one pick in Aliyah, something like that. Um, can you hear me? Um, they were able to edge UConn um, by just like four or five points. So it was a back and forth game. It was a close game, but South Carolina remains number one. Uh, the marquee game coming up this week, though, is South Carolina versus number three LSU. Uh, both teams undefeated, I think, at 23 or 22 and 0. Um, and they're going to meet up for the first time this Kim Mulkey has the LSU girls playing very well. 
Um, Don Staley, obviously, the the stuff that she's the, the program that she's been able to build at South Carolina um, is some, is a force uh, that we're probably going to see for many years to come. But but that's what's coming up in women's college basketball, and, and everybody's looking forward to that matchup. No doubt, uh, Ani, put you on the spot real quick. Obviously, Don Staley's doing a hell of a job, and then the first thing people say is. Oh, she should get an NBA job. Like, do you think that's just a blow to the women's game and just dominate South Carolina, be the next Geno, be the face of women's college basketball? Or no, like that's just there's more money maybe in the in the men's game and she should go if she has opportunity. I mean, she's making a lot of money in South Carolina. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think she's good. I mean, whatever direction she wants to go uh, yeah. is okay, but – I. I don't think it's a slap in the face. I just think it's more just a testament yeah. to just how good she's been, uh, yeah, sure. been doing. So that's kind of why I look at it. But she ain't got a lead to make more money. She, she <laughs> make a lot of money. Yeah, she could just ask for a raise. That makes sense. So, uh, Chelsea, in, in, in terms of pro ball, uh, a quick question for you. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, lot of uh, you know, questions about players moving, and there's a lot of questions about the future of the salary cap and the, obviously the big – elephant in the room is the travel accommodations the players have made note of that they kind of want to push that to the forefront but like as we talk about lebron and lebron has switched teams and people kind of whether it's good or bad they 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 associate super teams with lebron is that where the wmba is headed just yay, yay or nay is that where the wmba is headed because some owners spend more than others i i'm kind of like in between and I'm going to say in between because this is not the first time that we've seen stacked teams in the WNBA. Um, you know, since the beginning, we had the Houston Comets who ran off four straight championships. Their team was absolutely stacked with Hall of Famers and, you know, Cheryl Swoops and Tina Thompson and, and Cynthia Cooper. So this sure. is not the first time that we've seen teams like this. We've seen Minnesota Lynx yeah. have their run where they won four rings. It wasn't consecutive uh, like the Comets, but I believe in 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017. So basically every odd year, you know, Minnesota Lynx, who was, you know, decked out with Hall of Famers as well with Sylvia, Sylvia Fowles, Simona Augustus, uh, Brunson, then yeah. Maya, um, and Lindsey Whalen. So we've seen these type of teams in the league. I, I will say this is the first time that I've seen multiple teams be this stacked. So the way free agency is kind of going right now, we've seen a lot of movement of the, the big players on the board. Uh, Candace Parker was recently acquired by the Las Vegas Aces. Las Vegas Aces are defending champions. They already have multiple um, previous number one picks. They have Asia Wilson. They have Kelsey Plum. Um, you know, they got rid of De'Erica Hamby, but they still have Jackie Young and their team is totally stacked basically from, from top to bottom. And then you add a piece like Candace Parker, a Hall of Fame, um, who recently assigned John Quill Jones, Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot. So their team is equally stacked and you're just seeing the, the key players in the WNBA kind of move around and now they're kind of on, on two teams. So I, I want to say I'm in between. It's not something that we haven't seen before, but I think with just two teams being this stacked, um, it's definitely a little bit new for the WNBA. Um, and it's kind of starting to raise questions. I mean, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm following WNBA Twitter. They're saying, hey, you know, it seems like um, – some teams have more cap space than others if they're able to acquire these people. Or, you know, somebody mentioned that 
the two sure. richest owners in the league or two of the wealthiest owners in the league um, and that, you know, that own the NY Liberty and also the LV Aces are able to kind of stack their teams this way. They're wondering if it's a cap space type of thing. Um, so it's very interesting time in the WNBA right now. Um, I don't think that there's any cap space discrepancies between one team or another. I know how the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement works. And I also know uh, some of the sure. contracts are public knowledge. Like Dennis Parker signed for 100K. So that's half of a max contract. The max contract in the WNBA is around 220,000 and, and she signed one year, 100,000. Sure. So I think if, if you're a player that, I don't want to say ring chase because I hate that term. I feel like everybody who's playing wants to get a ring at some point in time. So we're all ring chasing, you know, per se. Uh, but for Candace to join a contender, you know, she had to take a pay cut. And so wow. here she is. So that's kind of what we're seeing in the WNBA uh, these days. And I'm kind of looking forward to see what kind of pieces um, kind of maybe shift on the board uh, in upcoming free agency, because some of these deals have not totally been finalized. Uh, I know Brianna Stewart, who came from Seattle, they're talking about maybe that's a sign and trade. So maybe they're going to have to take somebody from the NY Liberty to get her, um, you know, officially signed there. So uh, I look forward to seeing kind of what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. We'll obviously dub preview the WNBA in uh, the coming weeks, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, it's very interesting for me. For me, I wouldn't mind seeing two super teams if they're yeah. in different conferences. Right. in different conferences, like, they're in the finals. Yeah, meet in the finals. Is that what you feel, Ani? Like, it just could help the game maybe get some a real true rivalry going? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially yeah. you got some routines from two different conferences. Then you're everyone's anticipating the finals matchup, and then yeah. when it happens, you know, you, you got a really you got something really good happening. You got a lot of storytelling. Yeah. Ani, let me ask you another question. This relates to our next topic, which we're going to talk about NBA trades. Now, some people will say the WNBA owners, it should be really wealthy owners because if they're not making big money, then they shouldn't be worried about spending, right? If, I, if I'm if i barely, uh, you know, this franchise is not really making money, if I don't have buku money, just huge money, then I'm going to be stringent. I'm going to be stingy, quote-unquote stingy, right? right. Uh-huh. And we're talking about that with the, the NBA because people are saying Kyrie Irving, that the owner of the Nets – uh, in essence, didn't want him to go to the Lakers. You're right. And people are like, well, it's a business. They can do what they want. But we're at the point where the NBA is getting money so big, all the owners are really wealthy. And so they, it, it's not about making a profit because they're making a profit regardless, right? Right. So if, if, Ani, if you're a little bit better player than Chelsea, but I like Chelsea a little more, and I'm making 50, clearing $15 billion, when I'll just sign Chelsea. You know what I'm saying? So it's not about any more about, like, do you kind of agree with that? Do you kind of see that's where the NBA is at? Or do you think it's, no, they just made a deal with Dallas and, you know, that just worked out and the Lakers didn't didn't pull the trigger fast enough. They didn't have the assets. What do you kind of, what's your take there? Well, when when we talk about the Kyrie Irving trade, I think that was the best trade that the Nets got. (laughs) Um, I don't don't think getting a Westbrook rental and, a yeah. first round pick is uh, better than you know two rotational pieces and some and a future first and some second round pick which you know that's going to be a, some solid look uh but i do agree with the statement that like money really ain't a thing for these guys <laughs> no. uh, for, for the owners and i i don't think their decisions is based off of like uh we trying to save like i think they're right. they're all about like we're going to make a profit anyway so 
You know, if I want to do this, if I want to do that, like it's all good. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna be tripping anyway. I don't think the decisions is really based off money anymore. I think it's just all, you know, what they kind of want to do with their, you know, what with they their want to do. Yeah, because if you're making clearing billions, it's it's at that point you're not even counting it no more. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Just <laughs> right. um, do you kind of see that way? Do you think that's good for the game? Whether it's like uh, what I see is a little bit of um this collective bargaining agreement come up. The players are trying to they have a lot of power, and the owners I see them trying to take some of it back. What, what do you what do you what do you think, Chelsea? I, I think it's definitely more about that. Um, yeah. You know, the Lakers were what I've heard from reporting was Kyrie Irving's preferred destination, you know, and the, the owner, Brooklyn's owner just made it a point to make sure Kyrie wasn't going there. Maybe because of, you know, all of the, you know, chaos and stuff that's kind of happened. Maybe they have a sour relationship between the two. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, I I really feel like this was more just besides, you know, getting rotational pieces and stuff, like Ani said, like, I think this is just, you know, more of an ego thing as well. Like, hey, you know, you can leave, but you can go where I say you're going to go, you know, kind of thing. Um, I I do. I don't think the Lakers package was bad. I mean, and they said they offered two first round Ani, so I'm not quite sure about that, but I heard it was two first round though. So it's like, you don't even know what that even looks like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So, I mean, if you're talking about playing right now, then maybe that was just the better package in terms of, you know, what Brooklyn needs. But I do think that it was more about just not letting Kyrie go where he wants to go. You know, these these owners want to take a little bit of the power back. And I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's wrong. You know, I usually err on the side of the players because I am a player and I know how it is. Um, But from a business standpoint, too, like, you know, the Nets want to still be formidable they still have championship aspirations or they feel like they can make a deep run as long as they're able to hang on to kd so you know all things considered dallas probably was the best um you know case scenario for the team but it's definitely a little personal between the owner and Kyrie. if if i had to you know guess yeah i i I think it was a little personal but i think it's been kind of personal with I mean that Brooklyn Nets situation is so wild too. <laughs> like from from uh, uh, ownership management standpoint, with and Kyrie. So you know, of course, I think that break was just going to be personal anyway. <laughs> uh, regardless, but I do think Brooklyn got the best package that they could get for right now. They're trying to win with Katie. Yeah. So so um, let me ask you this real quick, Ronnie. Um, if you were a GM though, like, would you even be jumping at the gun to to acquire a player like Kyrie? Like. He, obviously, he's super talented, but with all the kind of uncertainty surrounding just him as sure. as a person, um, you know, I, I, I wanted him to go to the Lakers, obviously, selfishly. I need Bron to win, and I wanted him there. But I'm also like, okay, well, is he going to have an attitude and want to leave in, in a couple months? Or, you know, is he going to play? Like, you just don't know. He's like such a question mark sometimes. Yeah, so to answer your question, uh, yeah, I think I would take the gamble, and here's why, Chelsea. I, I seen them practice, the Dallas Mavericks, and I'm looking at the roster, and I'm like, this roster ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Because it's just you got Tim Hardaway Jr., you had uh, a glut of wings, uh, you know, you Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. They had Tyler Dorsey at the time. Then they're trying to make some a little bit of room for Jaden Hardy, and there was at least another wing in there. I was like, where's the point guard and the big guys? Yeah, like, this ain't going to work. Where's the backup point guard? So I think the bigger question is, um, did they make a mistake 
not trying to maybe go a little bit harder for Jalen Brunson. I know, again, maybe they didn't want to hire his father. Maybe that's another issue. So that I'm kind of looking at. But I'm like, you're not going to win a championship with this roster. Right. I think if you're trying to make Luka happy, again, we talk about the players kind of, it's a player's world right now, and it's Luka's world. You know, like, so if Luka's like, hey, guys, yeah, go for Kyrie. We'll try to make it work. Then I I, I would do it because you're not going to win with, uh, Spencer Diddy, Dorian Finney-Smith, and uh, the big guys they have. So you're going to – Luca's going to log all these minutes. He's going to log all this usage, and you're going to end up 10 games uh, – five to 10 games above 500. You could already see that. So, yeah, I, I would try to take the chance to maybe get a little bit more potent. you got to still get better defensively, and but to just maybe help Luca to stay long-term and to cut down on his usage. He's They're not going to win like that. So, yeah, I, I would take the chance. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely take the chance. Like, <laughs> yeah. you when you're talking about getting one of a top three point guard in the league, especially for Luca, yeah. where, you know, if the season doesn't, you got to take that gamble because Luca could demand a trade and then Dallas, right. you're completely, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so, about Luca, really. Yeah, more it's about it Luca. That's why yeah. they're bringing him more involved in the decision making. Yeah and all that yeah. you got to take the gamble even if it's a potential rental for Kyrie you traded a 2029 I think NBA first round draft pick like you're okay you still have your 27 you still got your 25 so like mm-hmm. you, you you took a gamble but it's not that potent where you know you're, you're losing a lot of your assets um, yeah. you know the biggest asset to me is Dorian Finney-Smith because that's a wing defender that they're losing and now mm-hmm. you got to make that up but uh as far as like just taking that gamble, if you're Mavericks, you have to. Like like Ronnie said, I mean, this is not going to win you a title. This is not going to get you past the second round, maybe the first. So you know. Yeah, and then I didn't mention uh, our guy from uh, from West Coast Elite, Josh Green. That's another guy who was in that training camp when I was watching. I was like, that's another guy. He needs minutes. So they're counting on Josh Green to do a little bit more. And then your guy, uh, Chelsea Jaden Hardy, seems like he's gonna do more. He had just had another 20 point game. So, Ronnie. you know, somebody's going to have to step Ronnie. in. <laughs> somebody's going to have to step in. I would, I would like Ani to comment. Ani, please comment yeah, on, on thought it, but he ain't going to play in the playoffs. So I mean, we'll oh, Ani's going to tired right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a solid piece. Like, he's going to get five to ten minutes. He's going to do good in the rookie role. He's a second, third year guy. Like, that's when you really going to see what it is. Like, this year is like he ain't, he ain't gonna give. He ain't gonna log many minutes when it really matters. Like, hey, as long as we're ascending, that's Vegas, baby. Okay, I'm yeah. following. I'm proud of him. I just want yeah. Ani to just you know make mention. That's all I'm saying. Little yeah, mention. Yeah, he's doing good. I mean, look, there's a lot of rookies doing pretty decent. They've been having pretty decent games. I mean, yeah. Now let me ask you. Okay, a question, so Ronnie, real quick though. Go ahead, Ronnie. I'm sorry. Real quick side note. So is Kyrie and Luca gonna work? In your guys' opinion, both this question is for both of you guys, actually. Um, Whoever wants to answer, I think, I think uh, it'll help them uh, go a little farther than they might have with this the core they had previously. But work, work the way you're describing it, I think, no, they're going to need another piece. They need a defender, need a little more uh, interior, then it it could work. I just think that it's to get some of the load off Luca. I, I think they look at that James Harden type of uh, background that they had. You know, the, the the James Harden dominate the ball is not going to work. I think most NBA owners, GMs kind of know that. So 
I just think they're trying to make them that kind of move. I, I don't think, like Ani said, it's it's a improvement move, but it's not a work move, like you said, that they're going to be hoisting the NBA title this year or next year. Yeah, they're a piece away. You're an interior defender, defending type piece away. Yeah. Um, offensively, it definitely really can work. Uh, you're going to need some player and ball movement with that. Like You're going to need some motion with, with, with how they play instead of it getting so stagnant. But, you know, the good thing about offensively is, like, if you need a bucket, you have two dudes that can really get a bucket <laughs> uh, at any time. But a lot of ball movement, you don't want to make it like James Harden, Chris Paul with the Rockets. You know, you yeah. don't want to get it like that. But I think offensively it can really work. It's just, you know, they need another piece like Ronnie said. And you really yeah. needed, like, an interior big or another wing defender. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's – Chelsea, I think – it's more the motivation, like you said. You're taking a risk with Kyrie because his his availability. When we're going to talk a lot about that as the show goes on, availability and being in the lineup is super important. Uh, that's obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's forte. That's LeBron's forte in many senses over the years. But like talent wise, it should work. Uh, Ani and I'll say this, and I think I tweeted this. Like sometimes two good players don't mix, and that happens. But right. two of the best players of their their generation or all time. If it don't work, one of them is not as good as everybody thinks they are. Right. It's just I don't, whatever one it is. Like you got to make two great players work. Yeah. Like I mean, two of the best players, not like two all stars or two really good players. Sometimes that doesn't work. But if you're two of the best players in the league or the best players of of, of your generation, that, that shit better work. You right. know, I don't, I don't care what position it is, better work. You know, maybe you guys have a different opinion on that. Right. I think if you're that good, it should work. You know. I agree. So. uh yeah, that's just a, that's just a crazy thing. I, I'm kind of along the lines of what you said, Ani, and we're going to talk about that with a special guest. He's been around the NBA for many years, and even back into the 90s when, yes, they were making money, and but the owners weren't super billionaires. All of them weren't super billionaires and just had money to throw around, and I think that's to Chelsea's point. It gets a little personal. Male ego gets involved. All these guys have egos. I mean, we, we all have our own ego, but when you when you have billions of dollars, you can you can do that, and and it comes down to Le, to LeBron. What we're talking about, he kind of made a statement. Uh, again, the Lakers. I know Chelsea. They're they, they're your team in essence, but it's to what Ani said. I think nobody wants to eat Russell Westbrook's contract. That's gonna hold them back and hinder them if they're trying to move him, or what they're trying to do with him. Who wants to eat that contract? It gets goes back to what you're saying, Ani. A little bit of ego. Like I'm not eating that dude's contract, even <laughs> though I'm a billionaire. And I can do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to help that team. I'm not going to help LeBron. The hell with the Lakers. I, I think there is a little bit of that. Ani, would you think that's going to hurt them in this this before this trade deadline, which is on the ninth, and we're here on the seventh? Is is it well, what move do you expect them to make? Can Dallas make another move to get a wing player, defender? What other move do you see out there? Yeah, I think LA is going to definitely make a move. I, yeah. I, I think they, they want to make a push, <laughs> you know, a yeah. playoff run and really win with LeBron and AD. Uh, if they can find a decent trade for Westbrook, uh, I think they can. It just, you know, Brooklyn just wasn't that sexy because Brooklyn's still trying to win, <laughs> right? And, and it's just not a good contract. But you're going to find – they'll find somebody. They're going to have to maybe give up some of their, like, draftable uh, – uh, assets to get that done but i think they can make a move with westbrook uh if i'm da if i'm dallas i think you either you know kind of make a savvy trade with another future first or you know you have to go to the buyout market like you gotta look at guys like jay crowder i heard will barton maybe even though i'm not saying 
Barnes is somebody that, you know, you can go get. But, like, you're going to have to hit the buyout market. Uh, I think they still have their mid-level exception. And they're going to have to go into a situation where, you know, they're finding a big, you know, and seeing what's available and seeing what teams are kind of desperate to move somebody where they'll have more leverage. You know what I'm saying? And, you, know, you know how this is, Ron. It's a leverage game. <laughs> so yeah. if they feel like you're desperate to make a move, then you got to give up more assets than you want. And I think with L.A., that's kind of the issue when it comes to Westbrook is they know, like, they don't have leverage. So they don't they have leverage. Give, they no. got to give up more than they they should, than they want to, in order to get what they want. That's a good point. That's a good point, especially if LeBron kind of makes a statement and it's out there and he's kind of like, well, we didn't make a trade. He sounds a little disappointment that – for the other teams, they're going, yeah, yeah, keep it <laughs> right, right. We got more and more leverage. The Lakers are going to be more desperate to make a move. I don't know, Chelsea, do you kind of agree along those lines? Like, he made that statement, and that's okay. They're professionals to move on, but it's kind of like, uh, yeah, sounds like he wanted that trade to go through. I mean, but that goes without saying. I really don't know why he made that statement because everybody knows that that's what he wanted to happen. Like, yeah. you know, right. and and when you make those type of statements and things don't happen, like, I always think about, like, how do your teammates feel? How do, like, the people around you, you know, like, I, I don't feel like that makes things better. I, I feel like it makes it harder. But, you know, to your previous point, though, nobody likes the Lakers. They're not helping Rob. They don't care. Even if the Lakers had some assets, which we absolutely do not, Nobody <laughs> wants to help us. They don't. And I'm really, like, I'm really totally convinced of that. And Rob Palenka tries to hold on to those little two crusty picks like he's going to take them to heaven or something with them. Like, let him go. We're trying to win right now. Who cares? Like, I am a very disgruntled Laker fan, okay? Because this is ridiculous. Everybody knows how Braun feels, so he didn't need to do that whole interview to say that. And it's just kind of like, where do we go from here? Like, can we do anything before the deadline? Like, moves need know. to be made. This is a historic season for LeBron, and we're wasting it, in my opinion. So, wow. But the bottom line is, I just don't think people want to deal with the Lakers or help the Lakers, and 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 that's their right. They have the most championships, so it's like, why, why, why would we? Why would we? Why would I take somebody off the books for you so you can go be better? Why? Yeah. Well, it's to your point, and to our point, all three of ours. They have, in essence, in an even playing field with everything being equal, the most leverage. Because, like you said, they're the Lakers and they have the, you know, the pedigree people want to generally play for them. So when things are all equal, they have the leverage. They just don't have the leverage right now. They have an aging roster with bad contracts that people don't <laughs> want. You know, so, I mean, that's just the business part of it. And, you know, uh, as, as we talk about that, you know, we talk about the owners. We talk about the, the leverage of the players. And that's kind of one of LeBron's legacies. He's obviously been a great player. And, and and I see that coming up to your point, Chelsea, that you made a little earlier. Like, the owners have been kind of taking it on the short, so to speak. And they're very wealthy men. And they kind of want to put the stamp down. So I thought, like, when this All-Star came out, when this All-Star team came out, people made it known that there was a lot of clutch clients that were not in the all-star game people were kind of like hmm is that very interesting there's not a lot of clutch guys so then right away we hear about this Kyrie Irving trade so I'm like hmm, you know again it goes back to that thing the fighting over leverage Ani do you kind of see that do you think that's valid how much validity is that and then we'll talk a little bit about the all-star game that that was my next that was my next point and Ronnie I'm glad you brought that up I I think when you know Chelsea you know talk about people don't want to deal with Lakers I think it gets a little deeper like Trey Young's not in the all-star game 
Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want to go back. We talked about Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy was a second-round pick. <laughs> you saying people don't want to deal with L.A., and what are they all represented by? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I do think that's a leverage play. I, I do think there's some of that going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but um, uh, Ryan's your point. It just, it just I agree with everything you're saying, but I, I'm glad you said that because that's what my next point. I think this is this is all a leverage play. And I think sometimes it goes deeper than just what we see on the court. Yeah, it could be. It's an agency versus the owners. Uh-huh. And when you go back to the big lockout, that that cost people the 1999 season, basically, when the Spurs won in that shortened season, people talk about Kevin Garnett's contract. And, and, and right, people thought at the time, Ani, Michael Jordan, that, that David Falk, his agent, had too much power. Mm-hmm. That his clients would get the biggest contracts, the best deals. And it was all because Michael Jordan and David Falk, they're like, they're running shit. Let's just say they're running shit. You know what I mean? So we're kind of there now a little bit, seems like. And it's almost reaching this big, you know, this big battle royal, so to speak, with the next collective bargaining agreement. And this seems to be part of it. I I would agree with you, Ani, there. Chelsea, I don't know if you have the same sentiments, but we're, we're headed toward this big, like, owner versus agent kind of battle. And the players are just part of it. So. No, I mean, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, people are sick of LeBron and Rich Paul and all of those like clutchels agencies. So I, I definitely can see it. Um, yeah. And the owners are just trying to kind of reestablish themselves because the right. league is definitely trending towards the players. So, I yeah. mean, which, you know, from a player's perspective, I think is a good thing. But from an owner's standpoint, it's not. So yeah. total power play, total just trying to kind of maybe even tip the scale a little bit, just the owners trying to balance it out. Like, okay, yeah, you could do this, but we're going to do that, you know? And and just as players talk and, you know, owners talk too. And they, oh, they yeah. have relationships where they can band together and say, we're not going to do this. We're going to do that. So um, it's just one of those things. Like it's the game within the game. Like Ani said, it, it's yeah. totally being played even when we don't see it. So, yeah. It goes back a little bit to the uh, Raymond Lewis episode we talked about, and the yeah. whether it's formal or informal, the owners could have just got together and say, "Hey, we're not going to give this guy a, a shot." You know, like he's not what we want. He not doesn't represent what we want. He's a little out, outlandish, and or he's a little outspoken for his time fifty years ago, and they moved on from him. And I think that was one thing that we kind of miss in that Raymond Lewis episode is uh, the, the NBA moved on to bigger and greater things that even though as, as he, his life spiraled in a downtrend and he didn't make the NBA, the NBA flourished. The 76ers eventually flourished. They got Dr. J. They, they moved on without him and that could happen to any player. The NBA is going to move on without you. Obviously we've had LeBron for 20 years and over, you know, he's been in the NBA and it's kind of been his era. And, and obviously that's going to come to an end at some point. It's pretty pretty crazy. You know, he's been playing this long. So we talked about longevity and durability, recovery, what the NBA was like 20 years ago compared to what the NBA is like now, technology. We're all going to hit that with our special guest. Uh, Jason Powell, he's a longtime um, head athletic trainer for the Clippers. He's been around, and, and, and we're glad that he was able to talk that the Clippers are on, on a, were on an East Coast swing. They played the Knicks recently, and he still took his time out to, to jump on the end of the paint show. So we're we're very happy about that. But uh, as you mentioned with Trey Young, Ani, we'll get to Jason here in a little while. Trey Young, let's talk about the All-Stars. Jumps gears a little bit. All-Star game coming up in Salt Lake City. 
Uh, Ani, is that one of your uh, big snubs? Give me your top two all-star snubs that didn't make the all-star team. Obviously, you have Steph Curry, who's not going to play now, so somebody needs to replace him. But who are your two top guys? Oh, they put me on the spot for real. Uh, definitely, definitely Trey Young. And uh, I would say De'Aaron Fox. Uh, just just Fox, how yeah. good the Sacramento Kings have been. You know, I really yeah. value winning. <laughs> and right. uh, just someone like De'Aaron. I say De'Aaron and Trey Young. Uh, Trey Young, right. look at the numbers he's putting up, even though Atlanta's not having the season we expected, especially with the addition of DeJounte Murray. But uh, I also would say De'Aaron Fox just because of how sure. well that he's been playing and how well the Kings have been playing. And it's been winning like we ain't we ain't seen the kings win in 30 years so like <laughs> so that those would be my two snubs yeah and uh honestly same question for you chelsea you know all-star game coming up uh, you know we got a lot of good offensive numbers all over the league yeah well you know ani stole mine in De'Aaron fox because i think he's been absolutely exceptional um but i think another person in the west that we could have took a look at was anthony edwards um, yeah. I know the team is a little bit shaky, but I just feel like he personally has made individual strides this season. Um, I've just seen improvement. I've just seen the game slow down a little bit for him, like just in terms of the things that he's doing. And 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 I think that uh, he's just improved. Like, so I wouldn't have mind if he got it in. Um, I know some other people, Shaq, a lot of guys on TNT thought that, you know, he was a candidate as well. Um, so I, I would put De'Aaron Fox above him if I had to choose one. And speaking of just Stephen Curry being out, I would like to see um, Shy from OKC be boosted up as a starter. And then hopefully De'Aaron Fox will um, jump in uh, as a reserve and um, take Stephen Curry's place. So, uh, But on the East, um, I really like Trey. I've always been a huge Trey fan. But, but I think Pascal Siakam has been impressive too. And he's usually in the past been – so like like inconsistent to me like sometimes you watch him and you're like oh my god like he's incredible and then like sometimes you're watching and you don't even notice him um but he's just another guy this year to me that has just made individual strides like toronto is totally a mess from a team standpoint so don't get me wrong but i, I it's an individual award you see you see guys like you know lebron who deservingly so to be an all-star but their team's well under 500 too so if, you know, I think sometimes certain people get punished for their team not doing well, <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, like Anthony Edwards, Minnesota's not doing great, you know, Toronto's not sure. doing great. So these guys, that's taken into consideration with those people. But at the end of the day, it's yeah. individual thing. And Trey Young, yeah. Pascal, I felt very deserving. Jalen Brunson, another person I felt could have been thrown in there. Um, and on the West, I'm going with, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards. Gotcha. So my pick was... Jalen Brunson as well. Uh, again, we talk about Dallas and what they've done. Ani, you're 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 down there. That's your that's your team. Did they make a mistake by not trying to get him to a contract and then having to make this move? Or you know they're not playing that. They're not a you know me. Rick Brunson was like with Worldwide West and Leon Rose. Those guys were going to work it out in New York, and that's just business. Or do you think they should have made a slightly harder push to keep him in Dallas? I would have done whatever I can to keep him. Because then wow. I think losing Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, yeah. like, look, is Kyrie a better player than Jalen Brunson? Yes, I mean, we're not going to argue that. But, like, I think the loss of Dorian Finney-Smith hurt is going to hurt us more than what, we, what people realize. If you could have got Jalen Brunson, you made a really hard push to get Jalen Brunson and you kept him with this team. I'm not saying we're an NBA title contender, but the next move we uh, the Mavs would have to make 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it's not you're not giving up a big time asset to have to get something. Get it's something. Like, yeah. You get into the bio market, or you can be creative, or you know, you could you could get that interior big that you really need, so you don't play Dwight Powell thirty minutes a game, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know. I that I think they should have went all in. Even if you lose them, I think they should have made a real huge push to do whatever they can to keep them. Interesting. Yeah. Uh yeah, because now they gotta rely on younger pieces and maybe not as as you know, he's playing at an all-star level, like Chelsea and you said. And you now you're relying on Green and Hardy and a few other pieces to really step up. Not yeah. the same. You know what I mean? You're you're hope you're kind of gambling. They're they're trying to hit the Hit on the river, basically. They're playing Texas Hold'em. They're trying to get on the river. Can I piggyback on Ronnie's question really quick, Ronnie? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I think that they should have kept him because they saw that him and Luca worked. I think that's the biggest thing. Luca is very ball dominant. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. You have Kyrie, yeah. who's a better player, who's going over there, and it's yeah. still kind of up in the air about how it's going to work. Jalen Brunson and Luca worked. They, they were one or two pieces away from being better. Like, it, it wasn't the backcourt that was was stopping them. And now no. you see kind of Jalen move and just how he's able to – the things he's able to do with New York. Like, I just feel like he could have did that, you know, yeah. as a co-star in, in Dallas. And, and another yeah. thing, too, that, that stands out to me was that he was accepting of his role. Like, yeah. you saw when they had Porzingis there – Oh yeah, you know it, it wasn't really a good fit amongst the two, but but Jalen seemed to like Luca. They seemed to 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 be a good you know one two punch. So I just feel like if you if you're able to find that in a in a amazing or you know great player in in Jalen Brunson, then you know why would you give that up hoping that you can find it in somebody else when you already know that you have something that works? I don't yeah. know. That's just my opinion. Like I, I don't know if the transition for Luca and Kyrie is going to be very smooth. I think that they're very talented, but they also want the ball. So wow. yeah, we'll we're going to watch that. We're going to obviously be watching that and see how they do a lot. Everybody's going to be watching it, obviously, because it's such a two such high profile players. So as we, as we stick on this topic, this trade deadline is coming up. Uh, I'll ask each one of you and, and you know, we're a couple of days away. These trades have to be done and set. Uh, and, and I'll start with you, Chelsea. Uh, what's one player, and again, he may not be on the trading block, he may not be in a trade per se, but what's one player that's out there that needs a change of scenery, that just needs to move, and his career will, will trend up, as you like to say, his career will go ahead the right way. What's the one player out there? Well, the player that I had in mind prior to the news that just broke was Christian Wood. Christian Wood seemed like he was disgruntled in Dallas. I would love to have him on the Lakers. I feel like he is a player that is definitely ascending and just getting better with minutes and time and production. Um, he wasn't really happy with his role of Dallas. Yeah. Off the bench, but now he's about to start. He, he was a person that, that I thought, um, you know, would, would, would be great maybe with, you know, the Lakers or, you know, that's wishful thinking, obviously, but just a player that I, I think is definitely trending up and can help a, a championship team or any team for that matter. So he was the first person that I thought of that um, came to mind. But, you know, when when I think of some of these other teams and, you know, these are people that I'm following because I know the Lakers are looking. But, you know, Fred Van Fleet, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. He's been kind of in trade talks uh, lately. Wow. Um Toronto doesn't really know the direction that they want to go in. I've heard that OG is 
is in trade talks as well. And, you know, I, it, it seems like they're breaking up the band up there in some way, shape, or wow. form. So if the Lakers can get, you know, one of these people, uh, maybe, you know, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr., then Ani, I see you smiling. Then we go be <laughs> Ani's right like back in the mix. Happy. So these are a couple of notables that I, that I feel <laughs> – these are some notables that will get my team over the hump. And I follow for my team. So, Ani, what do you got? Well, they're not getting it. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I agree. Those guys would help y'all win a lot. <laughs> help you a lot, but you ain't getting none of them. Um, for me, you made a good point. Van Fleet. I think Pascal Siakam definitely needs to change the scenery. Um, you know, I, I think him going to a team uh, that's really trying to, that's like on this playoff contender or trying to get in the playoffs, like a team that's really trying to compete and make a run at it. I think someone like him is really valuable, uh, like an Atlanta Hawks or something like that. I'm not saying that, but I, I would be interested to see him on a team that's trying to yeah. make a multiple round push. Another another player, I think of DeMar DeRozan, same thing. You know, wow. Kind of struggling mm-hmm. um up and down he's another player like i think if i'm a championship contender or a team that's really trying to get in he's someone i really target i mean he's been playing good obviously we all know recognize him as the mid-ranger but i think he can also step out in the three he's playing a role he's rebounding he's defending better uh i would like to see those two in a change of scenery and someone in a on a, in a team that's trying to actually really win not saying they're Chicago's not trying to win. Chicago just really ain't winning like that. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to win. <laughs> they're yeah. trying to win. They're just not doing it. And I think Pascal, seeing him with a team that's like at 500, slightly above 500, that really just needs a, that extra push that can give us some, give up a decent amount of assets to make it happen. I, w- I would really like to see him in a different uh, different place. Yeah, makes sense. There's a few players out there like that. Those Those teams make sense. They're – they're kind of in no man's land with the Bulls and with Toronto. They're not horrible. They're not great. You know, if they could make a move, it, it would. I, I know the Bulls. A lot of people are talking about a lot of their players are, are are on the block, so to say. They they made some kind of move. They're a little disappointing. Who knows what's going to happen long term with Lonzo? Doesn't look like he's going to play this year. Doesn't seem like. Yeah, it doesn't seem like. It, yeah, I I don't know what's exactly is going on with him, but they got some good players. It's just not a good fit, you know, for everybody. Uh, Kobe White. Uh, you know that that type of thing. So uh, the player I'm thinking about for, along the same lines is, is just a player. He may not be in trade, but that needs to change the scenery. Is Isaac Okoro from the Cavs? Yeah. Uh, the Cavs uh, have a small backcourt, and they need he needs to be on a team with more shooting because as we talked about him and his young career, he just doesn't shoot good enough. Right. So you need to hide him somewhere on a team with a little more size and and a little more shoot shooting. Can't have two small guards and Isaac Okoro because now you got three kind of small guys. <laughs> right. And one of them can't shoot. You know, like it's it just if he's on a team with a little bit more um, just good long range perimeter shooting, I think he would do well because that team seems to be trending up. They're doing good. They have good pieces. They got a great front court with Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley. But he, you know, he was a high draft choice. It just maybe he, he would fit bid or somewhere else. You know, I, that's just my my thought there. That's a really good one, Ronnie, because I was that I you know has me thinking like he doesn't really fit with what Cleveland is doing, right? <laughs> because of the two, two small guards. That, that was my concern early yeah. on. So Isaac, yeah. yeah, I just 
he's one that if he went to a place where there's more size in the backcourt and he can can kind of fill in with some shooting, I think you could really see how good he is. And then for me, last one be uh, Jakob Pertl from the Spurs. Uh, Quality big, real (laughs) double-double guy damn near. And uh, he can he can just protect the paint. I think a champ, I think a team that's really contending could use a big like him. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if there's any of these moves makes. We'll be following them. That's I appreciate your guys' insight. That's really good insight, you guys. I, I you guys made some really good points with those players. Uh, switching gears, we're talking about uh, availability of players. We talked about Lonzo, and he's number two pick. He was on the Lakers. The Lakers gave him up. Now. Now the Lakers are kind of having, uh, you know, second regrets. Maybe did we do the right move, giving up all these young guys? You can play this game all the time. Trades happen all the time in professional sports. And and, and you talk about availability, and we're talking about uh, LeBron here. Regardless, Chelsea, I know you feel the Lakers are kind of wailing this season. They're just kind of floating in the ocean. They're not really going anywhere. But LeBron is still doing something great individually. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer. Kareem played 20 years. Kareem played about five or six seasons with the Bucks and 15 with the Lakers. And, and, and I think next week we're going to get into a little bit about who we think are the greatest players of all time. But what we want to focus on this episode, and we and we have been talking about the players and, and, and the movement and things like that, is, is just longevity. And, and, and I want to ask you two real quick, and I'll start with you, Ani. Is this just like a longevity record, kind of like Carl Malone being up there in the highest points, or is no, this is a talent record as well, and this is LeBron being talented as hell and available. Or, or, or is it just more like, hey, it speaks to, like, uh, as Chelsea said, you know, longevity matters, and, and our guest is kind of a, along those lines. We're going to talk to him here in a bit about longevity, endurance, uh, recovery. You know, what's your high line on LeBron and, and this record that he's going to probably break in the next two two games? Ronnie, I think it's a mixture of all that <laughs> you talk about. I think it's a mixture of longevity, right? You got to play a long time in order to get this. But yeah. I also think it's a talent. Like, I mean, I think he's fifth all time in uh, career points per game. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're you looking at a guy like you got to be – he's played for a long time, but to still average as many points as he has in his career. Um, sure. I think it's a mixture of longevity, being healthy, availability, but also being talented enough to be able to put those type of numbers year in and year out uh, in playing those and playing that amount of games, (laughs) you know, it's like you see guys that can put that, that score 29 plus per game and play half the season. Right. He's doing that. He's playing majority of the season. So I would say it's a mixture of both. Sure. And and Chelsea, you know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ronnie. No. Yeah. Chelsea, I'm just going to ask you roughly the same thing is it's, you know, obviously, you have high regard for LeBron and we all do, but I mean, you have a special place for him in terms of what you follow and how much you like him. And is, is it just what Ani said, or is it even a little bit more? Is it like, Hey, you're a professional player. You know how hard it is to play for 10 years, much less 20. What's, what's, what, what's this mean as it's happening? No, no. I I mean, I totally agree with Ani. Um, And I just think being a player, like to be good at something for so long, like people, You know, we expect certain things from Braun that sometimes when he's doing these things, they seem watered down. Like they seem, you know, we expect it. So it's like, it's no big deal. But, you know, just me being a player myself, like I'm in year 10, I'm in the final stage, the final countdown, like, and just to be able to do something and to stay, you know, consistent with it. 
for for 20 years, I think is just the most incredible thing. Like, and right. and, and it's commendable because, you know, people try to downplay, well, he's only doing this because he's still playing, but there's a lot of people that still play and as they're playing, they're declining. They're not right. even staying right. the same. I mean, maybe you can yeah. argue Ron has gotten a little better in certain areas. Like the yeah. longer you play, you're supposed to get worse. Like, but, but that's not the case with Braun. Like, so that's why I feel like it's incredible because I, as a player, I feel like, wow, okay, I've lost this step. I, you know, I can't do this. Like I used to do it two years ago. So Braun has still found a way to figure it out. And yeah, we see him aging, you know, he doesn't get up as high as he used to. He doesn't, you sure. know, maybe run as fast as he does, but numbers wise, he's consistent. And he's doing the same thing that these people that are, you know, 20, five years old are doing and he's been doing it forever. So I think that's the biggest testament to me. Like I, I don't even care so much about just the numbers. I, I think the record's incredible and it's probably going to stand because LeBron's still playing. He already came out on his, you know, whatever recent interview that he did and said that he's going to play or recent post-game presser and said that he's going to play a few more years. So who knows where, you know, his record is finally going to hold when he finally retires, but that's just the thing for me to be great at something for so long is incredible. And it's not just even a basketball thing. It's just anything like 20 years of, you know, anything. anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> really, truly. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. 20 years, uh, you know, uh, 20 years I've been doing the fat 50 about 20 years on in the same way, real quick, Ani, before we get to our interview with Jason Powell of, of the LA Clippers, Fab 50, are you a little surprised that Link lost in the manner that they did to Montverde in the two versus three matchup last yeah, week? Yeah, like, they almost got beat by 30. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That was that was shocking. Yeah. Now, did I, I thought they could maybe slide by Montverde. I was thinking one, two possession. And that's just me sure. being, like, just, yeah. you know, just throwing some stuff out and Man, like Montverde just dominated them, and I think it 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 was surprising. I mean, it, yeah. they they got I mean, dominated, <laughs> and yeah. I, I can't. I, I thought it was gonna be a one to two possession game, uh, but you know, I think Link came in there and they got nervous. It looked like they were nervous. They, they were a little playing. nervous. Yeah, they didn't look. They played with the energy, and they didn't sky up and down the court and at the rim like they normally do. And I think Montverde just really executed their game plan, made shots, and just really took Link out of what they do best. And yeah, uh, right away. And they did it right away. They yeah. had a 15-0 run in the first quarter, another 12 or They were up 29-7 after a quarter. So, right. yeah, not much change in the Fab 50. You guys could go look at it at ballslife.com. Obviously, Link just drops from three to five. Mm. And Duncanville moves up a spot, and John Marshall moves up the spot to three. That's it. That's the only difference in the, right. in the top ten. Montverde just stays two. Everybody else, I'm not going to talk about the other rankings. They all got to do the flip. They got to flip them now. I'm <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, Montverde was ahead in ours. So you got to talk about it much. It speaks for itself. But, right. yeah, you know, when you you guys made a great point about longevity and just doing anything that that you do and 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 our guest let's go to him now he's he's obviously been in the nba for a long time and is what we talk about obviously lebron's going to get compared to michael jordan we're going to compare him to michael jordan we're going to talk about that a little next week who are who you know in terms of greatness and i think lebron really wants to do this in the next two games why because uh they play at home you know so they're they're, they're going to play uh you know the lakers are at home the next couple games they play the thunder and then they play the bucks so i think he's going to do it in the next two games because then they, they play on the road after that, and he'll just have to score like 25 in each one or whatever. 
If he, or he may be doing it in the first one if he hits, what, 39 or 38. If he hits that mark, he, he'll get it. So a uh, very uh, awesome thing. But, yeah, let's go to our special guest now. We now welcome on our special guest in the paint show, episode 153. We're here with Jason Powell, director of medical services and head athletic trainer for the LA Clippers, a long-tenured employee with the Clippers. Jason, we appreciate you get, jumping on. Thanks for having me. No, no doubt. Uh, we know you guys have a long road trip, so we really appreciate your time. I know you want to get back to the West Coast. You you guys are on the East Coast right now, so we really appreciate your time. Just jump right in. We're talking about longevity. We're talking about LeBron and his record-breaking uh, upcoming performance where he's going to chase Kareem's record, which has been something that's been on people's mind. And we want to go in a little bit more inside about preparation, recovery of elite athletes in the NBA, Jason. So – we want to just ask you, you know, you've been with the Clippers since 1999 as a head athletic trainer. And besides the owners basically having a lot much more wealth to spend on things, you know, um, what has changed the most from your aspect of game preparation, recovery, and minute allocation for the players? Well, first the first part of the question, game preparation has really it's changed a lot uh, from 99 to now here in 2023, how we get organized for the game has been structured a lot more um, in a format and a lot more uh, systematic approach. You know, you have, okay. you know, your table work that the players do. You have your performance work, guys do uh, strength and activation work. And then they go into the court and do their timing and rhythm and routine court work with the, with the coaches and player development coaches. So everything is structured. Everything is organized and it's a systematic approach. How we prepare the guys a lot different from 10, 15, 20 years ago where they kind of go get shots up and, you know, you treat injuries that are actually guys are trying to manage, but now we do a lot of corrective and preventative type of approaches. So it's, 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 it's a lot. Um, it's structured, it's organized. Um, every department from player development to medical staff and the coaches, they know where players need to be, what time they need to be there and when they need to go to their next station. Sure. And Jason, uh, analytics have uh, really advanced you know <clears throat> in the past 10 years but from like a, from the medical aspect has mm -hmm. with, with technology innovation has it changed and has it gone the same pace as it has just with, with the on the course uh impact yeah technology is is stayed the course and stayed the path the same as for the basketball animation off left foot right foot um right side of the court left side of the court uh the intensity that you um have your output of uh, activity, full court transition, the load, it's, it's really picked up. And we look at these numbers uh, in our sports science uh, department. We have two sports scientists that do a heck of a job for us. We collaborate those numbers with what the um, practice court time is, is going on. So you kind of work in conjunction with both, and then you kind of come up with an approach what's best for practice time, the length of practice time, um, what type of intensity or the structure of practice they should have, how much they even work out, how long they should work out, and the type of workout it should be. So we work in sports performance with our performance staff, our sports science group, and our player development group. And we kind of work hand in hand to say, you know, did we come at, are we coming off of a practice? Are we coming off of a game? Did the player not play as much? Did the player not play? Um, should they do a five on five, what we call our stay ready games? Um, should they just do what we call a vitamin, which is maybe a 30, 20-minute vitamin? Can they do a 45-minute vitamin? Um, the approach is, is, is really congruent and cohesive with player development, 
with our performance and sports science group and our medical staff. And it work, it works pretty good. And, and we've gotten some good results. It keeps players definitely ready to play, compete when, when their number is called. And I think players now, the new players coming in, see a whole different dynamic on how things are structured for them because this is their job. And it's player development jobs to be prepared, organized, and ready for the players. And it's the job, it's the player's job to be ready and understand what's being asked of them. Got you, Jason. Now, does every NBA club, all 30, have a sports science full-time staff or of one or two, or is that specific I to you your know what, experience? Um, I think uh, the majority do, you know. I think uh, – I can't. I, I would say about 75, 80% they do have based on the budget that they put into their uh, performance health and wellness staff. Um, we have two. Uh, they work in conjunction, um, work well, well, you know, they work really well together. So, uh, and and it, it, it's just an adjunct too. Don't don't get you know get it understood. It's still, sports science is an adjunct to basketball. Like sure. at the end of the day, it's still just basketball. That's how I look yeah. at it. You know, it really it, it is, but. You use sports science as a component, you know, and as part of the formula to try to help make the players perform better and give them a better opportunity to perform better. You know, so we give them the numbers. Uh, they try to now put together an integrated plan with the numbers that are given to them. And now the approach is, is more systematic and it's more organized and it's more, it's more uh, should I say, customized for that player. Understood. No. And Jason, um, obviously there's more medical information available, but mm -hmm. what key aspect of recovery and or injury prevention has basically stayed the same since the late 90s? What is what what has basically stayed the same? Um, Sometimes you say, you know, you know, old school is still the same, you know, if, if that makes any sense. But Epsom salt baths that still mm -hmm. works, you know, pretty extensive for players. That's been around, you know, since the twenties, you know, wow. I mean, we all know about, you know, ice tubs, ice baths, you know, post, post activity contrast is a, is a, is one that we always use hot and cold. Um, before activity, we do hot and cold and you finish in the hot after activity, hot and cold, you finish in the cold. Gotcha. <clears throat> Jason, like older players, like such as old and Polynesian, they talked about the disdain for, um, <laughs> low management, right? We had OP. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so let's talk about like, are they just not aware with some of the advances, uh, with that the players have, or do they have a legitimate, you know, ask for you know, for a case right. with for yeah the, for the law management? It's funny you ask that because a lot of the older players or retired players feel like the younger players are soft. They feel like yeah. load management is is soft. Um, but you got to keep in mind, it's all done to protect the athlete. The players yeah. have a union. The players' union has gotten smarter. They have a better understanding. 82 games plus, including preseason playoffs. So the load management component and, you know, how they manage their, their, their bodies is to protect the players. So I think it takes a little bit more education for retired sure. players and ex-players to understand what this new space is, why it is why it is here and here to stay to protect the athlete and to help the quote unquote product be valuable and capable to play at a high level for we can be able to watch them. Because yeah. I tell you, makes you, you know, you see 82 games, we may hop on a TV on TNT, ESPN, 
we don't know if that team is playing four games in seven nights and they're on the right. <clears throat> back you know, and but we still expect that player to play at a high level because we're tuning in to see it because of this you know, marquee matchup. We don't know. They didn't have sleep. Did they have a stomach virus last night? Um, are they battling some a knee, some knee swelling? We we don't know that, you know. But then yet we still have to make sure that player is going out there and that quote unquote product is is performing at a high level to entertain because it is entertainment. We know that, you know. So I think there is should be a, a percent of sensitivity and understanding. I do believe if you play the game, you have a better understanding. Uh, but I think it takes education, but it's hard to educate those who aren't aware and sure. under, and, 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 and have an idea of the travel, the uh, the expectation, the recommendation that's set to try to make you be available to play at a high level. Sometimes, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. We're not sitting behind a desk, you know, answering emails and making personal phone calls and get through a nine to five, you know. Sure. You know, right. Perform, right. Perform, your activity and your performance determines you know, the, the outcome and, you know, uh, what people think of you, you know? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And eventually your salary and, and yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that, you know, obviously uh, one of the players, LeBron James, always going to be compared to is Michael Jordan, just in terms of, of his, his all-time greatness. But Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. from the last dance, I think one of the main things that people got out of it that watched it close was he kind of jokingly talked about, I, I entered an NBA and was a cocaine circus and guys, there was beers in the locker room and cigarettes <laughs> guys were so, compared to in his championship years, he was working out on, on game days, game mornings. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a huge 10 year, 1985 to 1995 difference in approach. So, you know, it's a little bit of that is a little bit of that myth because it's Michael Jordan or, or you in your opinion, can the average, you know, like, is that, uh improved really improved that much since you broke since you broke into the league or is um, that a little bit like hey the players really did start preparing themselves better over time the players have definitely been preparing themselves over time a lot more because there's more education yeah. there's more research um yeah. there's more understanding so with that being said it's people's jobs like myself to help make players and help players understand and give them uh, um, an ability and a platform to embrace and absorb what we have to offer for them. Sure. Yes, the NBA is the highest level to be able to have those resources. Some teams have more than others. Some sure. teams integrate their resources a little bit more than others. And then just like players, you have some players who actually take in and take, take the information and utilize it more extensively than others who give themselves an opportunity to have a longer career or give themselves an opportunity to perform at the highest level they can perform at. Um, and that comes back to player character, discipline, um, off the court activities. Uh, I think outside of playing from practice to games, how players take care of their bodies, how much they, because we don't have monitoring chips and load management yeah. chips on them in the club. Sure. We don't have it at the restaurant. We don't have it when they go home after practice. So we don't know what those, those low capacities are when they're when they're out of our you know out of sight. So it's up to the player to take the information we have from our nutritionist, from myself, from our you know performance crew, and say, hey, look, this is what I need to take for my recovery. This is what I need to take for my sleep. This is what I need to take. Or this is what I need to eat so I can be able to digest so I can get more rest. Um, these how many calories I should have for dinner. This should be my snack. So. We have all these, you know, different things that we provide for athletes, and it's up to them to take the information. And it's 
it's our job to give them this information. And if we don't know it, we resource out and make sure we get um, specialists to help help our players. So there's a lot more that are available for our players. There's a lot more education for our players. Um, and there's and MJ didn't have, you know, two sports scientists, three physical therapists, two athletic trainers. He didn't have that. And so you just take two of those staff members. One of those can be able to tell him, put that cigarette down, put that course light down. <laughs> you, know, <that's, laughs> you have an extra person who's researching yeah. and, you know, and research is delayed too. So we don't know. You, you have to have information. You have to have enough bad uh, games of guys smoking cigarettes to know that it didn't work, you know, yeah. or, or you can perform better, even better than you did. If you, you know, carry out that same type of, you know, recreational activity. Definitely. You know, LeBron James, like end of his career, his numbers are going to be staggering. But Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's an emphasis put on like availability and durability (laughs) of a player's career? No question. No, no question. I mean, to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. um, Doc Rivers said the best, the best ability is availability. And, you know, and, and, and that's where I first heard that from Doc. I'm not sure if he got it from someone, but I'm telling you, your availability is your biggest asset. Um, you have to be able to be on the court. Um, I worked in football for four and a half years, um, actually my fifth season to 49ers and Jerry Rice was a, was a player who was always a player available. You can only break records by playing. You can only get numbers by being available on the court, on the field, whatever you're doing, you know? So how do you do that? You recover your body. How do you do that? You have a knack of knowing how to play, stay on the court. Like Jerry Rice in football, he knew how to slide and dive before he got hit with that free safety coming across the middle. Sure. He wouldn't be out for two weeks with a concussion, you know? So, you know, so it's ways of knowing how to prepare your body and have a sustainable career to be available. And LeBron, of course, has done it at a, you know, one of the most elite levels in, in our day and age. Sure. take care of himself and you know it's public knowledge what they say what he does to take care of his body and you know right. other players alike do the same things they're, they're not as noted but those who take that time and invest in themselves are the ones who give themselves the best opportunity to be available now it's up to the coach if they want to play you and it's up to you if you put your time in the gym no different from you know from a fourth grader on to now put the time in the gym work on your game it's no different it's no different you know, Correct. but but to have all the resources for NBA players now, there's no excuse, I think, for you not have the opportunity to be able to be the best player you can be, you know, and along with along with your own in, uh, independent resources with your agent, you know. Yeah. Agent has, you know, they have workout guys under the agency now they have you can call your agent to find a personal chef. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a big thing in the NBA, too, now, you know. So, you know, and so there's a lot, a lot of resources that can uh, give you the best opportunity um, not to not to make it. It's hard to make it. Trust me, it's hard to make it in the NBA. It's hard to stay in the NBA. That's sure. another thing, you know. So, Jason, I'm going to follow up on that, and, and Ani will get the last question. You mentioned about peak performance, mm-hmm. and, and you talked about uh, a players being ready when they get their opportunity. Now, the average fan, I think one of the reasons why we have this is the average fan just simply doesn't know they that the, the players are great when they go to games. Like you said, they may go three, four times a year. They're great. They think the players are great. But mm-hmm. if you watch closely, like I'm sure your staff may have an idea like, uh oh, you know, so and so didn't do this part or so and so skipped this step. Right. Like, does the average fan really 
can tell when a player is laboring and not performing to the peak levels? Like, do you guys can kind of see that going right into a, either the shoot around or right before mm -hmm. game time? Like, hey, coach, you might pull the coach and be like, he might not have, you know, he may yeah, not be oh, at 100 yeah. tonight. Do you guys see yeah. that before? Oh, no question. No question. And, that, and that's part of my job. Um, yeah. Uh, having a pulse. It's definitely having a pulse of your athlete, understanding yeah. your athlete, um, having a feel for them, not necessarily digging into their personal lives, but sure. understanding character, understanding personality, understanding habits, trends uh, coming in. And, you know, we may have um, even on this road trip we were on, uh, we had a, we had a moment where, you know, a couple guys had some stomach stuff going on, didn't even participate in shoot around. You know, yeah. and like Will Chandler always say, you want me, you want me to shoot around, you want me in the game, you know, that kind of thing. So I always still use that, that model too, but they came and they still performed that evening, but Hey, look, such and such, you know, he's not feeling too well. You know, he didn't have, you know, he has some, some, some bad, you know, bad sushi kind of deal. And I'm just using that as an example, you know, but he'll be able to play tonight, you know, so be cautious uh, and, and cognizant about his minutes, his stretches, playing five, six, seven-minute stretches. You may want to rest him so he can hydrate, get some electrolytes in him, and bring him back in the game. So all those components play a big big part in a player's availability and how you can get them the best out of them because of what they may have going on, fatigue, uh, can't sleep, uh, families in town, um, you know, you know, wh whatever it may be. What's the biggest piece of advice we give uh, someone, a player, uh, going into game day, you know, to prepare. And what's the biggest mistake you see from young players entering the NBA as far as when it comes to availability and just their health? I think uh, one, listening sources are telling you, understanding what your coaches are telling you, you have to listen. Um, if you don't listen, then you can't actually execute what's being told to you. Um, I think you should have routine. Routine is uh you have a routine because a routine, the beginning word for a routine is a baseline. You have a baseline of what you have, what mutations are. If you break that routine for whatever reason, now you know you're kind of off kill for what, what you want to do, how you want to perform your job. Listening and have a routine, those are the two biggest things to me. Got it. That makes sense. Well, well Jason, we appreciate your insight. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to tell people a little bit about your insight about preparation training and recovery and we thank you and uh you know we'll see you down the line and appreciate your time no problem fellas thanks for having me wow guys uh, that was a great interview um with jason powell um i think he provided some really good insight and i just want to comment on something that he said um i liked how we just talked about how players are people and a lot of times casual fans don't understand what's happening behind the scenes like they're thinking, hey, you know, sure. I paid all this money. I want to see LeBron or KD, whoever's going to suit up. But, you know, maybe KD had an illness that day. Maybe KD is struggling with something that happened last game and he's not able to perform to the best ability tonight. Like we're in this we're in this era where people are like, oh, the players are, you know, load managing too much. And, you know, they're doing all sure. these things kind of to avoid games. But I, I really think it's just a matter of times have changed. And, and a lot of times we just don't know what's happening with somebody. Like 82 games is, a, a, you know, a long season, you know, sure. uh, imagine how hard it is to, to overcome injuries and maybe illness. And we had COVID in the past. Like there's a lot of things that happen that I think the casual fan doesn't understand. Um, so I really like that he just kind of provided insight about day to day and things that they deal with. And um, I like just how he was able to crunch numbers on, on, 
um, players and say, hey, you know, if if you change your diet, if you change your habits, if you change these different things, how that translates to the court. And I think that that's something that has, you know, obviously developed over time. So um, I found that really interesting. I hope other people found it insightful as well. Um, and just another thing too, um, what he was just talking about, just the injuries and how they're able to help the players to the extent that they are now. Um, yeah. I, I see a lot of debates just on Twitter and just, you know, back in the day about how, oh, Jordan didn't miss games or do this or yeah. do that. Um, and just how they kind of <laughs> rag on the players about uh, them basically not being available throughout the entire season. But I think he just provided a little more insight as to why sometimes these things are happening. And I don't think yeah. the casual fan understands that, you know, so um, it's good. It's good to hear from people that are there. Um, yeah. Just kind of give, you know, the fans perspectives. You know what I think is so funny? Um, this is a little bit of a side note, but um, on Twitter, they were talking about just kind of give give an outlandish like sports take or whatever. So one sure. guy said that he thinks, one guy said that he thinks anytime there's some like, let's say the Olympics, for example, anytime that there's some high level competitive thing that requires athletes that they should take one average person from the street to compete with these guys so they can see how insane, you know, it absolutely <laughs> is to compete at this level. So when I was listening to the stuff that he was saying, it kind of just made me think about how the average person or the casual just has no idea. Sure. Like imagine putting a, a guy who likes to shoot hoops into an NBA game. And then you'll see like, wow, Damian Lillard is doing this every night. LeBron is doing this every night. Like sure. it's, it's totally insane to think about if you have that perspective. So I'm just glad he was able to provide our viewers, you know, with that perspective so they can kind of, you know, see how difficult it is. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Chelsea. One thing he, um, he kind of talked about is just that, you know, having a feel for his players, knowing, you know, when they don't yeah. sleep or, you know, it's something that's going on with the family and stuff like that and how they have to manage it before games or, in, you know, in, in, in game day and stuff like that. And he, he also made a point that, you know, with the older guys saying low management, this, this and that, but he said, you know, we had data throughout the years that shows what need happen. We had to have enough data knowing guys that are drinking beer and then playing a game, <laughs> right? Or doing this and playing the game. So yeah, like throughout time and through how it advanced, then that's why, you know, you, you got guys that have to sit out because of load management. You needed you couldn't do that in the nineties because there wasn't enough data. Data <laughs> wasn't available yeah. fast enough. It wasn't available yeah. fast enough. So now that it's available they can make these decisions. And I think that's something that was a really good insight for me. And I think would be like, you know, as a fan, you don't think about that. <laughs> like you just look at the nineties, you look at now, you're like, well, now we got, we got a whole lot of data <laughs> yeah. that can make us make, make the guys make better decisions. Yeah, the definitely. For sure. I agree with what you guys are saying. Like it's pretty cool that he got on. I would appreciate Jason for taking his time on a road trip to jump on our podcast but, and give our viewers some some insight. But to what you guys said, I think the big thing is uh, the players I got from listening, they got to really know their body, listen to the, the staff and their body. Like he said, most of the teams do have a full-time, you know, medical uh, science, one or two people that are full-time staffers to, like, give the players more insight. They have a nutritionist plus him. And plus, he's been long tenured, so he's seen the. He's been around the Clippers in the Donald Sterling era at the Alley Sports Arena, where it's dark and dingy. They didn't have no data, 
And like the, another thing you said, you mentioned on is like they're studying things now that 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 data is going to be available in about four or five years that they're really going to put to use. Like maybe and it's going to happen faster because technology is so much better than right. maybe when like olden Polynes is talking about when he played with in the NBA. And he's just like, oh, load management stinks, you know, he's giving some insights. So that, that's awesome to where we are now. And I guess I'll ask you, uh, Chelsea, like you said. Uh, just you, you could give a quick answer. Is LeBron's scoring record going to last or are more players going to be like LeBron in the future because they're going to understand their bodies better? The staffs are training staff are better. Is all the players going to last longer or is LeBron just a special breed? I think um, I think that all records are meant to be broken. So, you know, like I, I don't think that there's really any record that can just hold forever. Um, you know, we we have players in the league now that can can score consistently at the same clip, um, you know, that LeBron has, you know, KD suffered some injuries, you know, Stephen sure. Curry, like we have guys that could definitely fill it up. And 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 I look at Steph, even though he's far behind, but just the style of play, like as a pure shooter, you probably can play, you know, even longer than somebody who's banging and kind of free yeah. training like LeBron does a lot of the times. So I, I think Bron's record is definitely gonna hold, but but I don't think that it's it's a record that can't be broken in the future. And just sure. to kind of pinpoint a little bit off of Jason Powell's um, you know interview, um, we're able to see LeBron have this type of success because of the numbers that we have now. So you know how many guys from way back in the day, you know even Jordan is as incredible as he was, he took time off and breaks, and he wasn't playing consistently. So. No. Maybe yeah. it's easier to play 82 games if I'm taking a break, you know, every three yeah, seasons. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's not to downplay him. I'm just saying, I think yeah. that the way that the league is trending now and these numbers and, and the medical services that Jason is providing is going to allow yeah. players to have 20 year careers or 20 plus year careers in the NBA because they did a little load managing and some games off here and some games off there instead of 82 straight seasons forever. So yeah. I think it's all relative. But to your point, I do think that bronze record can be broken one day. Um, sure. the, the tricky wow. part is, is that he's still playing. So sure. we don't know, you know, when is he going to retire? Maybe the record is yeah. just going to keep going if he wants to do seven more seasons. Who knows? Like, that's what's going to make it tricky. But I think there's guys that definitely score the ball. And if they're able to, you know, consistently stay in the league, then they'll have a chance. Yeah, it's the Bronny effect. That Bronny effect's gonna keep that record going for a little right. while. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a again. We we can't thank Jason enough to coming on on his road trip. They were playing the Knicks, so they're coming back back to LA. And then you know LeBron's gonna go uh, for play tonight on Tuesday night as we're shooting this pod. You know, so the the Lakers, uh, you know, they got a couple home games, Thunder and Bucks. So that that's just awesome. Uh, you know, I wanted to definitely talk a little bit about that more. And, you know, I wanted to mention Chelsea's pretty interesting. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he broke the record. I kind of remember a little bit. I was kind of young, but they were playing in Vegas. They're playing Utah. It was a road game because the Utah Jazz played a few games in Vegas back in the days. They used to play a few games. I don't know if you ever heard of that or. I don't I know if you knew that. Maybe your dad, your dad might have, might have followed it a little bit. The, the Jazz played maybe three or four home games in at Thomas and Mac, so he broke the record at Thomas and Mac. Um, yeah, pretty interesting. And uh, I think it was we talked about the greatest players, and we're gonna. I think it's gonna be all over the internet this week when LeBron breaks that record. Hopefully, they do something on Kareem. Here's the thing: I didn't. I'm a Jordan guy. I'm in his area. Why did ESPN 
have this day for Jordan. Like, what are we doing? The day should have been for Kareem. What are, what are we do? Like, that's the perfect opportunity to talk about Kareem. Not Jordan. Like, oh God. Like, I think it was because it was the physical date, Ronnie. Yeah. It was yeah. two, three, two, three. So, I mean, I get it. But the timing was just like, eh. Yeah. I, no. Horrible. I, go ahead, Ani. I didn't like the timing. I, I thought the timing was horrible. They should have done something on Kareem. Like, like yeah. I, I see what Chelsea's saying in there. She's right. That's what their concept was. But, you know, and, and that's why I can see Kareem sometimes is like, I don't get respected enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and that's why he'd be on that. Because it's like, yo, I hold the record. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, yeah I thought it was just bad timing. Yeah. And again, we'll we'll talk about Jordan more next week, and, and LeBron and, and Magic and those guys. But we, we want to talk about Kareem, and yeah, you know, Kareem was going through a period where they traded him. You know, I guess the Bucks figure we we're not going to keep him. We better move him. They got a, a, like a package of players, and then um, he had statistically his best year, his first year in LA, which would have been seventy five, I think, seventy five, mm-hmm. seventy six, and. He had just come off a season where they lost to the Celtics in the finals. The Bucs were in the Western Conference at the time. The Bucs made it to the finals against the Celtics in 74. And then, uh, you know, he had some statistically great years, and but they weren't winning. And then kind of like Magic came along and they kind of rejuvenated Kareem. And, 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 and Kareem was in this boat where, you know, we obviously saw the movie where he's on airplane and Kareem had this aloof kind of personality and he was kind of quiet. And kind of didn't really. The fans didn't adhere to him. The fans were, dude. It was Dr. J's world. Just we talked about. It was Dr. J's world at the time. And then the cons, you know, the Magic and Bird were wearing cons. I think Isaiah was wearing them a little bit. Dominique and it wasn't just Kareem's time I, for whatever reason. And then the fans started appreciating him more. Like they, like you say, say the longevity. Man, he was good. Then he was the MVP of the '85 Finals. At this time, he's already like 38 years old. Which is yeah. what the it's the age LeBron is now, right. you know what I mean? And, and Kareem ball that series, you know they they won in Boston, so now people appreciated him because uh, the longevity. I think a little bit he was in L.A. He was a little more happy. I, I I would just assume it was Magic. Magic has that million dollar smile that Chelsea had in London. He has it all the time, and like it just rubbed off on Kareem. It rubbed off on the whole franchise. It rubbed off on the whole city. Really, if he, he's still doing it. So Kareem right. kind of be, got a little bit more notoriety and not, still not enough, as you said, on a few minutes ago, still not enough. Wish there was more about him uh, out there, just about thing. But like his, he had a house. He had a house in Bel Air, which is an, obviously we know the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But like it's a nice area in L.A. And it's, his house burned. Kareem's house burned. Now, I don't know if it was a Mahmoud abdul Rauf type of thing where it was intentional. I, I don't really remember. But Kareem's house burned. And he was just like, I'm done with this shit. Uh, you know, you could have just imagine what he's thinking because he's already thinking he's changed his name. The fans are kind of not very warm with him at time, or they, you know, it's a, it's a. And then all of a sudden, he lost his jazz collection. Kareem was a big jazz guy. I think Wilt had helped him get into that when he was in high school. Wilt would, a lot of people don't know this, but Wilt would hang out with Kareem when Kareem was in high school. So everybody talks about all oh, these high school stars are big now. No. They were not bigger than Kareem. Kareem was hanging out with NBA players in high school. And he was into jazz and bebop and that kind of music and you know, um, Miles Davis and that kind of stuff. And he lost his whole collection. Lost his whole collection. 
It was just down on himself. And then just guess what happened, you guys? Every Laker fan around started mailing him albums. Albums. I mean, really? all, yes, people mailed him. They got his address. And he got a bunch of his memorabilia back. Like, And he was so appreciative. And that kind of like turned the corner for the fans and him. Like, people love Kareem. You know what I mean? Like, or, or he realized how much they really loved him the whole time. It just was like this media kind of thing that was like a riff. And people loved them. So, I mean, like you said, Ani, they should talk about Kareem more. So, you guys kind of talk a little bit about that and then what LeBron means to you just as a player. And, and if you have any thoughts on Kareem. Yeah, uh, you know, Let LeBron. Is... What's up? No, go ahead. You got it. Okay. Yeah, no, LeBron as a player, I mean, I just remember in high school and I was young and just watching him and then getting drafted. And, like, I was so excited to watch the 2003 NBA draft and then – just seeing him come along, like as a player, you, growing up, he was the one that was like an MJ for me. Like I got to see yeah, MJ sure. on the latter years, right? But like I got to see LeBron from high school all the way now, <laughs> and yeah. seeing him through his journey. So like as a player, he just been that like he's not. I want to say he's my the goat, but like he's like Michael Jordan in the sense of like the best player in the era that I really started to watch basketball sure. heavily. Um, but, you know, Kareem, like, I got to go on YouTube and watch, like, documentaries. Like, we talk about Kareem and Will. Like, they were – that was like Idol became our rival. Like, you know, they yeah. they, they butted heads, uh, you know, in the yeah. 70s when uh, Will was in L.A. But, like, just I think people – like, watching Kareem play, like, watching old games, stuff like that, and seeing how dominant he was and the way he did it, you just – you don't see that nowadays. Obviously, the game has changed, but the skyhook is something we may never – someone just do for like that ever and I don't think he I don't think he gets talked about about how skilled he was and how good he was oh yeah and and the the big men that he had to go against and win teams they had to go against and win and how he was still impactful at an older age at the you know the twilight of his career so I just Kareem just doesn't get enough credit for how good and skilled he was Um, it's hard like the way he scored there is no one I don't, I don't think there's going to be anyone that can score the way he did <laughs> ever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that that's a big time skill. Um, I'm with you, Ani. Well, first, you know, I, I'm bronze generation, so he is it for me. But um, you know, I have a lot of conversations with my dad, who who watched Kareem and watched Jordan, and you know, my dad's goat has always been Kareem. Um, he just talks wow. about just how incredible was and like you know how I would never understand and all these different kinds of things like he's just like watching the hardwood classics doesn't even do you know Kareem justice for for how special of a talent he was and and just for him to have so many points and you know they're not shooting threes and like he's really just having his way like you know it it, when you think about it in perspective like it's absolutely crazy um so I you know I definitely appreciate greatness in general like, you know, I, I'm going to be LeBron through and through. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not mad when people say Jordan or Kareem or, you know, other people that have, sure. you know, you can see greatness in, in, in a lot of people. So um, LeBron is my guy and, and he's going to be my guy just because that's maybe it's a little biased from that's what I've seen the most. That's what I grew up, you know, you know, sure. watching. Uh, but I definitely just have a lot of respect for um, just the greats of our game and, you know, even Kobe, rest in peace, you know, has a special place in my heart too, even though it used yeah. to be a lot of LeBron versus Kobe debates and, 
you know, I'm, I'm on the bronze side, but, but you always just have to appreciate um, somebody who takes the time to just be great at their craft. So um, like I said, I'm excited for LeBron. Um, I want him to get as many championships and as many statistical, um, you know, awards as he could possibly, you know, finish with. Um, but because uh, he definitely deserves, you know, his place. He said after he won his championship with the Lakers that he wants his respect too. And I feel like there's a lot of people that I don't want to say disrespect him, but you're not going to really appreciate him until he's gone. So I'm hoping that in these, I'm hoping that in these latter years as he winds down, because he's definitely winding down, whether he thinks he can play 10 more years or not, that people will just, you know, appreciate, you know, what he's done for the game and, and, and how great of a talent he is, just like we did with Kobe. And, you know, there's a lot of Kobe haters that didn't jump on board until he passed, which is unfortunate. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that that's how it is. Like, so um, I'm LeBron to answer the question, because I know I did a, a lot of talking, but I, I respect uh, a lot of the goats of our game. And LeBron's it for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys make both great points. You're in the era of, of LeBron James. We'll, we'll talk more about that next week. What you guys really feel, the accolades and other players you think match up or don't match up. Uh, yeah. You know, speaking of Kareem, it's like, uh, you know, again, I got to see a lot of his time with the Lakers, not really his earlier years. Obviously I wasn't around. I wasn't old enough. Or I wasn't born, but yeah, you know, you could tell how great he was. My dad said something when I was small. Cause he, he, we were just watching the, the, the Lakers, and and uh, he's not a big basketball fan or a big basketball guy. He's all, but you should really, he goes, you should really enjoy Kareem and Magic because you're not going to see that a lot. And I was like 10 or whatever. I was like, all right, Dad, like, okay, whatever you say. You know, like, but he made it a good point. He stopped. He's like, you should really enjoy these guys because they're not going to be around. And that was in 1988. The Lakers going for the repeat. It was just a great year because the Dodgers won the World Series a little later in the summer. Like, the Dodgers won. It was just a great year. Like, our, our uh, local high school football team won the, the championship. So, like, it was just a really fun time for them to win back-to-back. And I kind of remember Kareem was like, I'm kind of through with this. And Because Pat Riley guaranteed the second straight win, the second straight title. He was at the parade, and he goes, I guarantee next year we're going to win it again. And everyone was like, oh, shit. Like, we we better make sure we don't have injuries. And, like, right. it, it worked out, right? Because Detroit was coming for them. It wasn't like it was going to be easy. And then the next year, I just remember Kareem, like, covered his mouth with, like, a towel. He just covered Pat Riley's light mouth. Like, don't say anything stupid about a three-feet. And then, like, he covered his mouth. And, and uh, yeah, Kareem had a really, you know, he would, he made 19 All-Star games. And I think he was in the last one. And you could see where he was slowing down. I think he was about 42 years old in his last season. And he had one really good game, but the Lakers got swept that next year. They had injuries. Sure enough, they couldn't get the three P because they had injuries. Magic pulled his hamstring. Byron Scott was out. They they got swept. They got swept by Detroit. So yeah, very interesting. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Kareem next week. But I, I think the the parallel for those two is two of the best, if not the best, high school players. The guys that everybody thought were going to make it and be it, and they did it. I think that's the one thing they have in common. Everybody had them this high. Everybody said they're going to be generational. They're going to be the greatest of all time. And they were 20 years later. They, they lived up to all expectations at every level. That's the one thing they have in common. And then the second thing, and it goes back to what Jason said, Kareem was a little ahead of the ball game. He was working out with Bruce Lee 
uh, while players were partying. And uh, you, you can imagine what an NBA player did in the 70s. They're worried about their Cadillacs and their, and their fedora hats. And Kareem was into stretching. They didn't even know it was yoga. Kareem was into stretching, like yeah. into this meditating and yoga. And they were like, what the hell is he doing? Like, let's, like, let's hit the town. Let's go, you know, as players did in the 70s. And, and Kareem was, they asked Kareem, they said, Kareem, why don't you tape your ankle very much? They were, a reporter asked Kareem, why don't you tape your ankle very much? He's all, well. And again, the guy's probably looking for a stock answer. This is some reporter. And he's all, well, I learned that if you put, if you put too much pressure, pressure and tension on your ankle and you, you cut off that, where's the next pressure point that all that pressure is going to go to? And he's all, it's going to go to your knee. So you don't want to tighten up your ankle so much that all the pressure is going to go to your knee. And everybody was just like, they were like, okay, thanks, Kareem. Like, <laughs> in other words, he was way ahead of the ball game. And like, in terms of longevity, uh, knowing pressure points, maybe acupuncture. I don't even know what Kareem was into, what he was into, but he was definitely into like stretching and meditating. And I got to assume that helped his 20 year career. I mean, there's no way it did it, you know? So I think, think on that, you know, I had I, I remember his last season very well, 88, 89, and he just was – it was about it. Like, they didn't have much right. left. Yeah, they, they needed to move on. And you know what's funny? The Lakers didn't really do good in 90 without him. I don't know if it was just his presence. What Kareem brought to that team was to separate the tension between Pat Riley and Magic and the best players. He was the um, – what do you call it? The equalizer or the, 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 the buffer? The balance. The balance. Yeah. Because Pat Riley's ego was just going like this. Magic ego was huge, and they were miserable the next year. Uh, Gary Beatty, the trainer, the publicist talked about it. They talk about it in that book, the, the book that became the, 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 the Showtime documentary. They talk about it in the book how miserable they were that next year. The publicist was miserable. The front office was miserable. It, it, it just didn't work no more. You know, you were they were listening to Pat Riley for like eight or nine years at a high level, plus the playoffs. They just needed a new voice, and like Kareem was that buffer, and they they all just didn't like Pat Riley no more. He had to go, and it wasn't because he wasn't a good coach. We obviously know he's a good coach. He just needed to change the scenery because Magic and him just they couldn't handle it no more. Their egos were too big, and the Lakers were miserable. So you got to give Kareem a lot of credit for, like you said, being a, a just a great teammate understanding the league for a long time and and to your point Chelsea he was kind of done physically and and nobody remembers him as his broken down player like many baseball players are broken down at the end of their career like he kind of went out and gracefully he kind of went out with a lot of fanfare they gave him uh they knew it was the last season so they gave him uh every stop every city all 41 stops they gave him really nice uh gifts they gave him a, either a piece of the floor. They gave him a, a, a instrument because he likes music. It was really cool. They did it for Dr. J, too. Maybe they'll do it for LeBron if LeBron kind of announces this is his last season, whenever that is. Like, dude, it was really cool. I remember watching most of them. They're like, they, one team gave him a big rocking chair. <laughs> Don't ask me why. But, you know, so it was awesome. You know, They really appreciated him. And Kareem, I think, really appreciated it. So on that note, I really appreciate you two jump, staying with us every week. I appreciate Jason Powell for coming on this week. This was really informative. But I think for now we're going to get out of here unless you guys have any last thoughts. And we'll, next week we'll get more into it. We'll, I think we're going to try to get more out of each other's throat a little bit more next week. We'll get at, get at it, talk about these players 
and what and how really good they are. So on that note, I think we're good. So for episode 153, take care, everybody. Bye, guys.